You're listening to the podcast from Withington Christian Church. For more information, visit withingtonchristian.church. So turning then to uh, Matthew's Gospel um, and uh, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Um, we'll commence up, continue our studies uh, in this particular passage. And we're still looking at, at the, uh, the Beatitudes. Um, and so let's read, read the scriptures again because... Uh, it's good, isn't it, just to uh, have these scriptures uh, read. Uh, you can never go wrong with, with reading God's word, can we? Um, and the more we read it, the more it comes, is in our minds, uh, and God is able to bring it to our minds when, when needed. So verse 1 says, Seeing the crowds, he went up into the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so we've been thinking about these Beatitudes, blessed, happy, the secret of happiness. The Lord Jesus introduces his disciples to what it is to be happy. And we've been thinking about that poverty of spirit, which is in essence the state at which someone has to come to in order to appreciate salvation, in order to be saved. And we thought of that one as the entrance in to the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who see their frailty, their inability. They can't do it. They cannot please God. They're failing God. They've fallen short. They miss the mark. There's nothing in them whereby they can help themselves. And in their despair, they turn to the only one who's able to meet them in their need. And that is the Lord Jesus. And that's the way in, isn't it? Uh, there's no room for pride, there's no room for religion, there's no room for self-reliance. It's all about the work of Christ and our dependence upon him. And then we were thinking about the, um, uh, this next uh, uh, beatitude, which is to be a mourner. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, and again, here's a contradiction in terms. How can the happy mourn? How can the happy be mournful? Well, the happy are mourning. The mournful are happy because they are comforted. That's the key there. The mournful are happy because they are comforted. And remember that we were saying that this mourning isn't over the loss of a loved one. It isn't over the loss of a job. It isn't as a result of our difficult circumstances and the problems in our lives. This mourning is a mourning for our own sinfulness for our own frailty, for our own weakness and our own inability. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so very frustrated with myself because of the, the flesh that's within me and it trips me up and it causes me to say the wrong things and to do the wrong things and to think the wrong things. Uh, and 
uh, we find ourselves with this constant battle of these two natures, that new nature which is given me as a result of being born again of the Spirit of God and the old nature uh, which is seeking to trip me up and bring me down. And as I become aware of my frailty and my sin uh, and the failings that there is there, um, I mourn. I mourn. And yet there's comfort, isn't there? There's comfort in knowing that the finished work of Christ deals with all my sin. There's comfort in knowing that I'm accepted in the beloved, not because of my performance, but because of what Christ has done on the cross. There's comfort in knowing that there's coming a day when Wesley Downs will be free from his fallen nature. Oh, praise God for that. You know, I don't know about you, but that should be a longing for us, that we're free from our fallen nature. We can live as we want to live, as we should live for Christ. And that's what brings us comfort, isn't it? Uh, Comfort in the situation and the circumstances of our life. There's hope with Christ. Uh, There's comfort with Christ. And then we thought about the Holy Spirit who comforts as well. He is described as the comforter. Uh, And uh, he is the one who brings us comfort. So then let's just pick up on this and finish off these uh, thoughts that we didn't finish off last week about the comfort that comes to us uh, as believers. So we've been thinking that the Holy Spirit, he is the comforter. Remember the Lord Jesus says, unless he goes away, he cannot send the comforter. So the Holy Spirit is able to comfort us in our distress and in our difficult circumstances. So when we find ourselves sorrowing over sin, that sorrowing needs to come to an end in the sense that there is a way whereby that sin has been dealt with and can be dealt with and therefore we move from a place of sorrowing when we've let the Lord down to a place of rejoicing and joy and are comforted because we know from 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we mustn't allow our sin, our frailty and our failure to cause us to live a, a life of continual uh, sorrow and mourning because that's not consistent, is it, with a, an inner joy uh, that we have, which is fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, I said this before, I think I said this last week, some of the lads we work with, that there's a sense of failure, failure, failure at times, especially in the early days when the enemy's giving them a really hard time and giving them a real headache because he doesn't like the fact they've become Christians. And there's an inclination to think, oh, dear, what's the point? What's the point? Just give up. Throw the towel in. Can't do it. And yet the key thing in this is to... Our sorrow needs to be turned into joy. There is sorrow overnight with that psalm that we've been thinking about. There's sorrow, there's crying in the night. But joy comes in the morning. And the joy comes from the fact that Christ has done the work that has dealt with every single sin that I've ever committed. There is forgiveness with the Lord. There is a restoration. And remember this forgiveness here isn't the forgiveness judicially for our sins. Our sins judicially have been dealt with at the cross once and for all. But here is the forgiveness that restores the relationship with our Father. Uh, And there's joy in that. There's joy in restoration. There's joy in when our relationships are 
are, are, are restored. Um, and that's how we should be living our lives. And then we went on to say something a little bit about the fact that, that there is sorrow, there's mourning over the disciplining hand of God. And we have acknowledged that God does work in our lives to bring a discipline. Uh, he does chasten us in different circumstances. Uh, and we were thinking of Hebrews 12, 11. Now no chastening for the present seems joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So sometimes we come under the chastening hand of God. And what are we told to do? We are told to be joyful. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Because the testing of our faith is yielding this peaceable fruit of righteousness. God is using the chastening to change us, to soften us, to help us to see we're not what we think we are, to cause us to be more dependent upon him. And so chastening is a natural part of the Christian life and we know sorrow in it and we find it difficult and we don't find it easy, but the comfort is in this, that we know that God is at work. You know, the evidence of the love of God towards us, the evidence that we are the children of God is that God chastens us. If we weren't his children, he wouldn't chasten us. He wouldn't bother with us. But if we are his children, we can expect chastening and we should rejoice in that, that there is, uh, he, we are his children and therefore he chastens us. And then we were saying the sorrow over the world in which we live uh, and the mess that the world is in, when we look at it, we see it's in a real mess, don't we? Um, and uh, we are uh, upset by that and we are grieved by that um, and, uh, and that's also something that uh, causes us to have heavy hearts and to mourn and yet we rejoice that there's coming a day when Christ will reign supreme, sovereign over all and he will right the wrongs of earth there'll be no more starving children there'll be no more children being killed by snipers there'll be no more or so much that goes wrong in our society which is so tragic and so sad and so wicked and so evil our hearts are mourning as we hear the news of this last week our hearts are mourning what a world we live in uh, and yet there's comfort in knowing there's coming a day when christ will reign and so then um Thinking then uh, about uh, a mark, the connection between godly sorrow and godly joy. Um, and this is just really the, the final few verses that I, I, I've got here. Um, he shall see of the travail of his soul um, and he shall be satisfied. Uh, and uh, uh, there is then um, this idea of this connection between godly sorrow and godly joy. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, His anger endureth but a moment, his favour is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes, cometh in the morning. Uh, and that is M-O-R-N-I-N-G. And so there seems to be these two things that are working hand in hand in the life of the believer. Um, sorrow, trial, tribulation and difficulty and yet joy and rejoicing and 
comfort. And you have that occurring in Scripture. Um, I think it's in Romans. I can't quite remember the verse uh, that talks about the fact that there is joy in tribulation. There is joy in tribulation. And I remember... um, uh, Peter Brandon giving some ministry on this some years ago now. Of course, Peter's gone to be with the Lord. I don't know how well you knew Peter, but he was a lovely, godly man. He wasn't just all this with Peter. He lived it. He lived in our home for a week uh, while he was doing some meetings at Withenshaw, and he left a lasting impression on Alison and myself and on our children as well. I don't think we've laughed as much as we ever had. He was full of the joy of the Lord. Godly, godly man. And the earth is poorer for not having men like that. And I remember Peter giving some ministry about the time when he lost his wife. And he loved his wife very much. Um, And he explained how that he was at the graveside. uh, And he was looking down into the coffin. And that's the hardest place, isn't it? For when you've lost a loved one where there's that final link with them, their remains being buried, and that's a very hard place, isn't it, to be. And he spoke about the fact that in that moment of deep, deep sorrow and deep tribulation and deep trial, the Lord flooded his heart with joy. Joy in tribulation. And I wonder if it is when you are going through difficult circumstances and you're trial is your your faith is being tested and everything seems to be going wrong and you you think to yourself I can't cope with any more Lord I just can't handle it it's just too much for me Lord why am I going in in these circumstances these difficult circumstances but you know the key is to get alone with the Lord and wait in his presence and tell him all about it and pour out your heart to him as your father and you know in the midst of that there is a joy that comes in the morning. You can see the mist clear and you get an insight from heaven. You get a sense of the purpose that God is at work in my life to do something to prepare me for earth and for heaven and what he has for me there again. So that combination of those two things and we endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning. Those who suffer in death, those who go through terrible suffering, pain, agony, uh, who are really suffering in life, imagine the joy for them when at last their pain comes to an end and they meet the Saviour on the other side. Their crossing has been very hard. It's been a rough crossing. Some people get a peaceful crossing, don't they? (laughs) They just go to be home with Jesus in the night. They fall asleep and they wake in the presence of Jesus. I hope I go that way. (laughs) But others, man, they they really go through it, don't they? They really suffer. It's really hard. I watched my mum. She had dementia for five years. Um, I was there the day when she went into her home, to the home that she was going into. I'll tell you what, that broke our hearts. She didn't want to go. She fought against it. It's horrible to see your mother and have to put your mother in a home like that when she's everything in us fighting against it it was a real moment of despair and and real hardship for the family 
Uh, and yet God overruled and provided a means. I believe there was a miracle that day and undertook and she went in. And I, again, very hard to see the suffering of someone with dementia uh, for five years. And I have to say to you, you know, there were times when I questioned God. Why? Why is my mum having to go through this? Why is she having to suffer in these ways? And one day, while my mum was still fairly with it, I was able to speak. Um, Latterly, she was unable to speak at all. Uh, and I remember being there. And uh, dementia homes are not easy places to go to, not easy places to be in. I, I didn't like being there. Uh, it's, it's difficult seeing adults behave like children, to be honest. Uh, and there was a lady in the lounge and she was just crying like a baby. Crying like a baby. And I found that very uncomfortable. I'm not used to that sort of situation. And my mum wasn't perturbed at all. She was obviously used to it. She just reached across to the lady and put her hand on her hand. And she just said, don't worry, dear. Jesus loves you. And there was a sense in that moment that maybe God gave me an understanding why my mum was there, a light in a dark and difficult place. Uh, And so for her, it was a difficult crossing. There was much tears and trial and fear and anxiety and all that went with that horrible illness. And yet, in that moment the Lord took her, she was in the presence of Jesus. She's there forever. Joy comes in the morning. Psalm 126 verse 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Tears and joy. Sorrow and joy. Proverbs 14.10 says, The heart knoweth its own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with joy. Bitterness and joy. You see the point of mourning and comfort. That uh, uh, those two things working together, uh, a principle in scripture, joy in tribulation, the Lord using the testing to bring out the joy, to bring out the perfume that comes from those testing times. Isaiah 61 verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. I wonder, you know, we look at our lives sometimes and we feel that they're just a pile of ashes. But there's beauty in that to him. The oil of joy for mourning. Again, these two things working together. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You've known periods of heaviness, of despair. You just don't know how you're going to keep going. Well, there's a garment of praise and it's a good thing to do to praise God in the midst of those trials and tribulations and those troubles. A good thing just to give thanks to God, whatever. He's worthy of it. And of course, the Saviour knows all about these things. He's been this way. He knows what it was. Remember that the Lord Jesus was described as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That surprises us, doesn't it? You would think that Jesus wouldn't be that, but he is. He's marked as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as he sees the consequences of sin in the world he's made. And yet even he knew joy. Remember the joy that he had when those disciples came back so excited at what the Lord had given them the ability to do to heal 
to, to cast out demons. There was joy in that moment for the Saviour. Um, and so 2 Corinthians 6.10, nearly finished. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. This is Paul, isn't it? Explaining his life. Yet as poor yet making many rich. And Paul knew poverty. He knew what it was to have absolutely nothing. And yet he made many rich by giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ that changed their lives. Making them rich for Christ, rich in Christ, rich in grace. And having nothing and yet possessing all things. Isn't it interesting? Those lovely little pictures of those contrasts between having nothing and yet having everything because we're children of the living God. Our Father is the ruler of the universe. And so maybe that's the secret of contentment, that when we don't have, we look to him who gives us everything in faith, by faith, if we just trust in him. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, And ye followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, and ye followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, remember there was much persecution of the church in those days, and yet in the midst of that persecution there's much joy. Blessed are those who are persecuted, happy are those who are persecuted. I remember reading once uh, a book all about Christianity in China and uh, this particular man who had a heart to reach out with the gospel in China and God used him to see souls saved and some of these souls that got saved were caught worshipping the Lord illegally uh, they were arrested and they were taken to the police station in China uh, and the police began to beat them and as the police beat them they sang out hymns of praise and the police said to them what are you doing why are you praising why are you singing hymns of praise and they said, because we're counted worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. Happiness in that. And then James 2, 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath shown no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. And so we understand something of these, this principle of mourning in conjunction with comfort, both here now and in a day to come. And as the Holy Spirit uses the circumstances of our lives to mould us, shape us, change us, make us more like the Lord Jesus, in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our tribulation, in the midst of our weeping in the night, we have this wonderful experience that we know that joy cometh in the morning. We have an amazing prospect. We have a wonderful future. To be in the presence of the Lord Jesus, what a joy that will be. What a comfort that will be. You know, the verse says in that verse says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There's the key, looking unto 
Jesus. Day by day, moment by moment, trusting him, looking to him, reliant on him, looking at what lies ahead, loving his appearing. And we would say this, hasten the day. Hasten the day. We're saying uh, on Friday at Alan's funeral, maybe there's a sense in which we should be a little bit envious that our brother Alan has gone on ahead of us. He's ahead of us in the sense he's now in the presence of the Lord Jesus. What a blessing for him. What a a joy for him. That's a great thing for him. Uh, And yet for us, we're here in this veil of tears, this veil of mourning, this difficult circumstance, this difficult situation, and yet we know the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We know the comfort that comes to us of knowing what lies ahead, and we rejoice in that. We give thanks to the Lord for that. You've been listening to the podcast from Withington Christian Church. For more information, go to withingtonchristian.church.